have to fear is in war. Fear there is no substitute for victory. Let us never negotiate out of fear. We stand undivided, forever united, fighting hand in hand for the liberty we burn, for glory and honor for our sons and daughters, ever mindful of the lessons we've learned. Let the torch of freedom burn Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wallbuilders Live, talking about the hottest topics on policy, faith, and culture, all from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. And this week, it's a little bit special. We've got four of our Foundations of Freedom television programs that we're sharing with you this week. Uh, you can get the full uh, series on our website at wallbuilderslive.com. You can download this week's programs and share them with your friends and family. If you'd like to see the DVDs of the television program itself, you can go to wallbuilders.com. Links today at wallbuilderslive.com, so if it gets confusing, it'll be real easy if you just log in and go check out wallbuilderslive.com today. Now, yesterday we started with the first episode from Foundations of Freedom. It's called The Founder's Bible, and that one's with David Barton and myself, Rick Green, and we're going to get the final conclusion of that here today as we start, and then we're just going to roll right into that second episode of Foundations of Freedom, this one with Michelle Bachman. So great program lined up for you today with special guest Michelle Bachman. You're going to hear a little bit about The Founder's Bible and then The Foundations of Law, part of Foundations of Freedom with David Barton. We saw the results. And we saw we, the results. we had so many years and so many generations That's right. of the greatest nation in history. And, and, and by the way, if you want to know where they're getting their material, you go to the back of the book and check footnotes. And it's not just footnotes, you also want to check sources. Um, if you're looking in the 1760s, you don't want to be quoting books from the 1960s. You want to be quoting books from the 1760s. Yeah. Because there's a lot of revision that happens over history. Go back to the original eyewitness documents. So go to the back of the book, go to footnotes, and as we start looking for footnotes, there are no footnote numbers here. It's a very short section, just a few pages. And, and, and then I, we see this. Quote, we have dispensed with the usual scholarly apparatus of footnotes. So wait, they're going to completely change history and what happened in the founding of America and then not give any evidence? Not a single footnote. But I've seen court cases where the court says, oh no, you can't have religious activities in public because we have a godless country. And they cite this book as the proof. Hey, how about going back and citing the founding fathers? But let's take their speeches and just put the Bible verses in that you don't recognize anymore. And then, or as you said earlier, the father of the public schools. That's right. Saying that's that we right. should have the Bible. Or, or the even Fisher Ames, who did the First Amendment. Yeah. Why don't we quote him yeah. in the courts when he says, don't let the Bible get that back of schools? Now, we don't have it in schools today? No worries. You just start reading the Bible for yourself, wherever you are. You get into it right now and yeah. start knowing that Bible. And it's no wonder then that our foundations are falling apart. It's no wonder we're losing freedoms. Yeah. It's no wonder we've forgotten what the foundations are. If we don't have this in the classroom, as you said, so that they'll read it later in life, then we've got to do something different. If, if we have a situation now where our public schools no longer do what the father of public schools said to do, if we want to restore the foundations of freedom, then we've got to come back to the biblical foundations. You're saying we personally need, need to read it. What else can we do for the culture to get the Bible back in and recognize so that we can have those strong foundations of freedom? Go back to John Quincy Adams right here. This little book he did for 10-year-olds, he pointed out to 10-year-olds, he said, I read the Bible once every year. Now, that was very common for the Founding Fathers. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our Founding Fathers we rarely talk about today is a guy named Roger Sherman. Roger Sherman is the only Founding Father to sign all four founding documents. 
He's the guy credited with giving us the bicameral system whereby we have a House and a Senate. He came up with the wonderful innovation of the Electoral College whereby states and the people get a voice in choosing the president. It's a great system. Instrumental then in the foundation. Instrumental. He's a key founder and nobody knows him today. Now, I have here a newspaper from Washington, D.C. This goes back old. And by the way, Roger Sherman also helped frame the Bill of Rights. So he's in the early Congress. He spent several years in Congress. And this is an early newspaper from back in the 1830s. And it talks about Roger Sherman in Congress. And I'm just going to turn to the bottom here. This, this little note they've got about Roger Sherman in, in Congress. And look what it says, Roger Sherman. It says, the volume which he consulted more than any other was the Bible. It was his custom at the commencement of every session of Congress to purchase a copy of the scriptures, to peruse it daily, and to present it to one of his children on his return. Now here you've got a famous congressman, and his habit is every time he goes to Congress, he takes a new Bible with him. And as he's studying the Bible and reading through it every day, he makes the annotations in the margin what the Lord's showing him. Now, by the way, he had 15 kids. I mean, you got to read the Bible a lot to get a Bible with all your kids. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of Bibles so, to pass out. But these kids. guys read the Bible once every year. That was what they did. Now, we need to do that today. Yeah. There's easy ways to do it. Here's a way anybody can do it. The one-year Bible. Go yeah. to any bookstore, get a copy of the one-year Bible. And if you want to be lazy, like some of us do. It's right we, there on the app, we right? Got you a, can we get got it. an app with it, and, and you can just hit the app, and it'll read it to you. So while you're brushing your teeth and getting ready in the mornings, It'll read the daily. All you have to do is read three chapters a day of the Bible, and you'll cover the entire Bible in a year. That's easy. That's so are, 10, are you saying minutes. to folks out there that might be watching that, that want to restore foundations, that have started studying the founding fathers and the founding documents, it's just as important to study that founding document, the Bible, as it is you to You want to understand the their speeches if you don't understand where they got their ideas. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're told by Jesus in Matthew 12, 34, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay. Second thing so to read, do, read the Bible at home. This is a make family a thing. Once individually, a read through the Bible once a year. Bible That's once following year. in the footsteps of the founding fathers. And if you want to see how the Bible applies, the Founders Bible. That's what the Founders Bible does. Is, yeah. it, is it takes all these Bible verses the founders used and shows you where they took Bible verses and applied it in government. So read the one-year Bible. Get through it once a year. If you want to see how it applies, read the Founders Bible. Second thing you do: start memorizing scriptures. Easy thing to do. Memorize as a starting place Psalms 119 verses 10 and 11. That ends up by saying, Thy word have I hid in my heart mm. that I might not sin against you. Start by hiding his word in your heart. Real simple thing to do. And I'm assuming that the founding fathers did that because these speeches you shared with us, they were getting up off the cuff and That's they were right. giving those speeches and quoting verse after verse after Just verse. Just spontaneously giving a speech. You know, whatever they saw happening, they addressed Patrick Henry's in the debate and he's in the heat of the debate. Guess what came out of his mouth? Yeah. And see, that's the third thing. Start speaking the Word. But you can't speak the Word if it's not inside. So you start by reading the Word, then start memorizing the Word, then it'll start coming out and speaking the Word. And that's one of the things we can do to restore the foundations of freedom in America. Hi friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even heroes of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like 
Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman, Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. Laws. They are designed to protect our freedoms, but not all laws are created equal. How do we know the good from the bad? Where does the concept of law originate? What laws stand the test of time? Who should be writing our laws today? Join historian David Barton with special guests Glenn Beck, Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, and more as they explore the America our founding fathers envisioned. What if America's story is bolder, more colorful, and more compelling than you ever imagined? This is Foundations of Freedom. Welcome to Foundations of Freedom, where we look at important aspects of our common heritage about which most Americans today have been told absolutely nothing. Join me today is Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. Michelle is a federal tax attorney. She is a successful businesswoman. She's a very successful mom, having raised five of her own kids and 23 foster kids. She's also a member of Congress. And in Congress, she serves on some of the most important committees, such as the House Intelligence Committee, which is in charge of our national secrets. Michelle, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Great to be here today. And I'm looking forward to unlocking some secrets here as well that a lot of Americans aren't familiar with. And this is so interesting because it's an area that every American is impacted by today. Really, people around the world are impacted by this. It's real practical. It's very practical because the law isn't just some dry subject. Yeah. This is a topic that was created in the mind of an almighty God. Right. And it isn't just one area. It's multiple areas. We see in the Bible the ceremonial laws, but then it's also the moral law. And all of us know a little bit about that. And it's judicial law, which I have to deal with as a lawyer, but also as a legislator, a member of Congress, we also deal with the social compact. And those are the laws between people horizontally yeah. to help our society work. So this is going to be great. I think people are going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say today. Great. Well, let's see what some questions are that we've got from audience. Okay. Very good. It seems like we have laws regulating everything these days. How businesses are run, who they can hire, how clothes are made, what food we can buy, even what happens in churches. Is this the way government has always been? <laughs> uh, easy answer to that, no. <laughs> That's the way secular government has always been. That's true. When you get to a God-conscious government and look at a God-conscious government, we have great guidance on this from but the But don't we have a secular government? That's what yeah, we're told. That, that's what we hear. That, that's Talk what about that. Well, we really don't have a secular government, and the reason we don't have a secular government is because God's the one who ordained it. Now, we do have a separation between the institutions of church and state, but we never separate God out of anything. And so the notion that God is to be separate from government, He doesn't buy that because He's the one who ordained government. Genesis 9 is the first government in the history of the world. It came from God at His ordination. The Noahide laws, seven categories of civil laws. God is in the civil laws. The Bible has 613 civil laws in it. God's really good on everything from immigration to taxation to military to family to business, you name it. He's got it all. So here you have 
God and mm -hmm. God's laws, and here you have a civil government that you just talked about. How do you have a civil government and yet God's a little bit, a little bit a part of it, a lot a part of it, no part of it? Well, because God ordained it, He knows best how to run it. Great passage is in, is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, and this is where the Bible tells us the purpose of law. Let's look at that. It says, we know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels. And that's the second thing, is government's not supposed to pass laws to regulate the good guys, it's supposed to pass laws to regulate the bad guys. But that's all we do is law, law, pass laws, pass laws. I remember in Congress, there was one day when we voted 53 times. I think people would be shocked to yeah. hear that, how often this plethora of laws, we, yeah. we stack laws upon laws. But that's interesting when you say that the scripture says that the law is not made for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and And look rebels. at the lawbreakers. It's made for, as it says, lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, those are the bad guys. Those are the ones you're supposed to be regulating. The problem we have today is that, as you just mentioned, 53 votes in one yeah. day. Any given session of Congress, you guys have between 10 and 13,000 bills introduced every session. And by the way, just as with the health care bill, you have 2,500 pages in the bill, mm -hmm. but then you have 50,000 well, pages of regulations. Oh, That's and, it. and it's a law that will never finish being written. That's right, because, because it goes on That's and right. on and on. That's and right. that's, that's one of the beauties of law is certainty. People need to know what's the behavior expected of me. What do I need to do in response to my government? And so when law is malleable, when it can mean different things, then there's no certainty there's no for people. People don't know what to do. So and there's no right, way the government no control at that point because they yeah. can reshape it in anything. As Thomas Jefferson said, it becomes a thing of wax where they can make anything they want, and it gives more and more control. Now, let me kind of back up here to say, we all know that ignorance of the law is no excuse. You're from Minnesota, I'm yep. from Texas. So I, I go to Minnesota, I, I, I rent a car at the airport, I start driving north, and I'm going 85 miles an hour, and I get pulled over by Highway Patrol Minnesota. He says, you can't do that. I said, wait a minute, 85 is our speed limit in Texas? Well, it's not in not Minnesota. Not in Minnesota, that's Ignorance right. of the law is no excuse. That's right. So that tells me I should know the law, which every single person in America need to know federal law because you can be arrested for breaking federal law. It doesn't matter whether well, you know Well, that's an impossibility because we're yes. all trying to lead our lives. And I can tell you for a fact, I've been in the law libraries where it's a federal law and it is stack after stack, shelf after shelf, page after page. No one could read the well, whole here's federal the perspective. It's impossible. If you made a commitment, you talk about that library, all yeah. those books of federal law and then all the federal regulations that come from That's the law. That's right. If, oh, yeah, that doesn't include that the regulations. Congress will pass a law and then we'll tell the federal agencies, well, now you need to implement that law, so you write all the additional requirements. Well, that's usually where the mess is in yeah. all the regulations, and that's considered law just as much as law. the law is. You know, I've got a, a friend, she was a 95-year-old lady, her name was Esther Armstrong, and she loved prison ministry. I mean, she was everybody's favorite grandma. She was small, she's diminutive, she'd been over white hair, and she would go into the county prisons, she'd go into the state prisons and the federal prisons, and she would mentor these guys and just talk blunt mm -hmm. to them. And she was in one of these prisons one day, and what we call a jailhouse attorney, somebody that's got such a long yeah. sentence, they got their law degree while they're in jail to sue to get oh, out. Oh, I've met them. Oh, uh, you've met them. <laughs> 
one of these jailhouse attorneys came up to her and he, he put his arm around her and he said, Mama Esther, did you know there's a hundred thousand laws that'll put you in jail? And she looked at him and said, do you know there's 10 laws that'll keep you out of jail? Yeah, yeah baby, we know which one that is. That's, that's right. right, the moral law, the moral God's law. moral law. And, and that's why it's so simple in the Bible. You don't have yeah. all these regulating behaviors because if you deal with the inside, the outside is under control. But when you have a secular government, they think that they're God, and at that point, they want to yeah. control every aspect of your life. Only when you have a God-conscious government do you have limited government because you deal with the inside, not just the outside. You know, I had two great godly law professors when I went to law school, mm -hmm. and they had pointed us to Blackstone. Yeah. And Blackstone was the great English jurist. And Blackstone had written that all of common law is based upon the Ten Commandments of the Bible, yeah. God's moral That's law. Right. And I know that different commentators have said that all of law can be reduced to the Ten Commandments mm -hmm. and how important that is. And, you yeah. know, so often years ago in our churches or in synagogues, children learned the Ten Commandments. They learned it. They understood it. They memorized it. And all throughout their life, God would give further illumination to them of what those laws meant. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance and the primacy of moral law here in the United States, all yeah. over the world, but what it means here? You know, it's an interesting thing because when you look in the Bible, there are four types of law. There, there's a ceremonial law, which is not explain that ceremony. Is cere that like my wedding? Is that my baptism? Is that, that what is that? That would be like the temple sacrifices and what happened there. And, and by it's the Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Old Testament. And it's not necessarily a problem that it's Old Testament, but it's been replaced by the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. The way we become righteous now is not by the sacrifices in the temple, it's by what Christ did. So we say That's that, an important point because under ceremonial law in the Old Testament, people would try to keep the ceremonial mm -hmm. law because that they saw that that would give them personal righteousness, That's right. Right? That's right? And that would be their future salvation if they followed the law. What a radical difference that between is. the Old and New Testament. And it didn't work you have, in the Old. And it didn't work and because that's why we're we sinful. That's right. And so now you have a perfect Savior, a perfect sacrifice that's line, right. who completely fulfills the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. So that's kind of wrapped up with a bow now. Hey guys, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And I know you hear my dad and Rick talk a lot about our founding fathers, about the original intent of our nation, the constitutional heritage that we have. And really we've seen how far we've slipped away from that. And I know a lot of us, as we hear my dad and Rick talk, think I wish there was a place that I could go and I could see these documents and I could read and learn about the founding fathers firsthand, see the things they did. And I wanna give you some websites today that can help you accomplish that very thing. If you get online, you can go to places like Library of Congress and you can look under their century of lawmaking or historical documents. You can go to the Avalon Project, to the Founders Constitution, to Google Books, or even the Internet Archives, or you can just go to Wall Builders' website. We have a section for our library, and under that section we have different subgroups for historical documents, historical writings, even a place where you can get helpful links to find out more information about other websites where you can do research for yourself and find the truth for yourself. Friends, this is a time that we need to know who we are and where we came from. Wallbuilders.com is a great place to go. The next law is the moral law. 
which we just talked about. This is where God tells us what's right and what's wrong. Now, this is an important thing because I had a call recently from a, a state senator, and the state senator said, you got to help me. He said, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a friend here that is a Christian guy, and he keeps talking about how that, how can you be pro-life and be pro-death penalty? How can you do that? Because the Bible says don't kill. And, and I said, well, he's into the, the New Testament misunderstanding that he has that the Bible actually says don't murder. It doesn't say don't kill. You don't shed innocent blood. You can shed blood. God ordains civil government to shed blood if it's guilty blood, uh, Romans 13. I said, but... Well, and you just got into a great point because it's who is allowed to shed the that's blood. Right. There's only one entity that God has created, and that's the civil government that's, right. that's allowed to wield the sword. Yeah. So if I do something terrible, if I murder someone else in a fit of rage, I murder someone, mm -hmm. that's not up to my brother to bring justice or someone else. Mm -hmm. That There's an entity very specific that that's God right. ordained, the civil government. That's They're right. the only one. They can do that. That's right. Civil justice belongs to the civil government. Now, the sort of self-defense we can wield. I, sure. I can shed someone's blood defending myself. If I'm myself, in my house, if someone my breaks house, in, my family, I've got my that possessions, right. I've got And that. our law tells us we that's can right. do that, too. They, they protect that's right. us. And Blackstone, as you mentioned, that's called the castle doctrine. Your house is your castle. That's all right. your possessions, all those who live there, you've got the right to defend your castle. That's right. So that's moral law. And I, I asked the senator, I said, do you believe that arson is a sin? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that infanticide, killing a born child, born is child, a sin? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you believe that bestiality, sex with animals, is a sin? Yeah. Show me anywhere in the New Testament it's a sin. All that, you can't even show the New Testament where that abortion's a sin. That's a sin in the Old they Testament. They just don't talk about it. It's See, just not brought up. And it doesn't need to be because right, once God said it's wrong, it's it's, settled. it stays wrong. That's right. So, and that, that's a very important part of the law, settled doctrine. That's right. that's right. And it's done because the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. In the Commandments. Old Testament and the New Testament. That's right. It's God's moral law. And not just for the Hebrews. That's right. And not just for Gentiles. It's behavior. For all people, for well, all time. In fact, I, the New Testament talks about how God put the Ten Commandments in our heart. He put them within. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's why we have a conscience. So That's we right. wonder why we feel guilty, guilty. when a little child does we something wrong, they off. know yeah. that it's all over our faces. It's yeah. because he puts it in our heart. That's right. Unless our conscience is seared, That's unless right. we continually turn away from what our conscience tells us is wrong, but you've got the Ten well, Commandments. Well, see, th this is the Ten Commandments. You don't murder, you, you don't commit adultery, you don't steal, you don't purge yourself. But there's no penalties attached to this. That's Lisa this is to telling the third us law. what to do this and is what what's not right to do. Wrong. But it doesn't say what's the, the penalty. penalty if you violate. That's right. And, and that's, that's the third type of law, which is judicial law. Judicial law. And judicial law comes so in. Ceremonial law, moral law, moral law judicial, judicial law. law. Moral law tells us what's right, right and wrong. wrong. Judicial law tells us the if you murder someone, maybe it's 40 years. Maybe it's life imprisonment. Right. Maybe it's the electric chair. Now, you said maybe, and that's a key point because judicial law changes over time. Mm -hmm. Moral law never changes. Back in the beginning, uh, with adultery, you got killed in the mm -hmm. Hebrew tradition. Yeah. Jesus comes along, he says, that's a sin, don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But he didn't stone the lady. Today, it's just disapprobation, but it's still a moral wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, here we are in Texas, and in Texas, we used to hang horse thieves. Mm -hmm. We don't anymore. It's still mm -hmm. a crime to steal a horse, but it, you don't get hung for it. So judicial law can change over time, but the Moral rights law and wrongs, doesn't. Moral, moral law, law does never change. changes, right. ever, ever, That's ever. Right. Judicial law does change because it may be different in England, That's may right. be different in Australia, may be different in the U.S., may be different in the Ukraine. 
That changes. But it's still got a right and wrong attached to it. And That's you never right. get away from the right and wrong. And, and those are what the, the Declaration of Independence called the laws of nature and nature's God. The rights and wrongs that became part of the Seventh Amendment of the Constitution, the common law, that establishes what's right and wrong. We're living a culture now where we're trying to redefine what we think is right and wrong, and we're redefining the moral law on a regular basis. You can't do that. In other words, we're turning it upside down. Turning it upside down. And that's when you've got trouble. Instead of God telling you what's right and wrong, that's we're right. not having the government. And, and that's the problem we get into. Instead of government being limited and going after lawbreakers oh, like the Bible. Preach it. We're going after preach the good guys. Preach it. That's right. And, and that's the problem. And that's the beauty of our government was yeah. limited. We it was limited. Jurisdiction. We, we need to talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I know that there's another fourth area of law that we really should touch on, and that's Social, social compact, compact. and we that's need to talk about social that. compact law are all the things that fall under the moral law. Mm -hmm. And social compact law is where the will of the these majority are the wins. These, these, these are, the are the biggies and that are immutable that you, you, you cannot disagree. You, can't disagree you, you shouldn't that. be murdering people. And, and there's more in the Bible. You know, we talked about yeah. bestiality and arson. Uh, rape is a crime in the Bible. Yeah. It's not in the Ten Commandments. It's a moral crime. You know, God lays all that, the laws of consanguinity, who you can marry, who you can't marry. You can't marry first cousins, and you can't yeah. marry sisters. Yeah. So all of that is part of the moral law, and, and that's all laid out. But then you get into things that say, do we want the sidewalks to be four feet wide, five feet wide, oh, or six yeah. feet speed wide? speed limits. Speed uh, limits. What are, the, what are the load limits on turnip trucks? That's I right. Mean, you know, all of Municipal those kind of Municipal regulations. That's right. And it really has to do with the whole idea of um, we can kind of do whatever we want, other than I can't take my fist... And, and plant it on, and my plant nose. It on your nose. That's right. And so anything short of that, you should be able to have freedom. So in other words, when my behavior hurts you, mm -hmm. then that's when you have to have a social compact law, right? That's right. You got to do something. It's to give you an you orderly society. Orderly it gives society. you an orderly society. You can have social compact laws if you're not voting on the moral law. You that's don't, right. You don't get to vote on whether murder is a crime or not. And no, because it's done. It's done. There are some God's things that, because it. there can never be a dispensation to to do what's wrong. That's and right. that's why I think we continue to see in the United States today the ongoing debate about the issue over abortion. We're out of time for today, folks. You've been listening to Foundations of Freedom with David Barton. Uh, today's episode was with Michelle Bachman, and we haven't quite finished it. Got a few minutes left. We're going to finish that up tomorrow. So you get the conclusion of that first episode on the Foundations of Law with Michelle Bachman. And then we'll roll right into the uh, Part 2 second episode and get most of that knocked out tomorrow. So don't miss tomorrow. A lot of great information for you from Foundations of Freedom with David Barton. You've been listening to it on Wall Builders Live. We stand undivided.